All right, folks, we're going to get started. Um, welcome. Thanks for coming. Um, I realize it's, a, it's probably been a long day. Your heads are probably packed full of knowledge. So there's no more room. We're going we're gonna to try to find a little bit more room and uh, teach you a little bit more about two interesting technologies, two platforms that um, have some real potential for synergy if you combine them. Um, so my name is Keith Stewart. I'm an ML and AI specialist essay for AWS. Uh, based out of Boston. My co-presenter is uh, Lauren Shukla. She's from Moody's. Uh, I'm going to drill down uh, into the deep uh, details on um, these two technologies and the integration of them. Uh, I'll talk about the what, the how. I'll do a demo, uh, a quick demo. And then um, um, <coughs> Lauren is going to take over and talk about how Moody's is taking this integration of the two platforms and applying it to their business. Okay. So, all right. So here are the questions that we're going to try to address. Um, I'm assuming a bunch of you already know about SageMaker, but we're going to do. We're going to try and level set understanding, um, make sure that uh, people have a, a, a grounding in what it, what these things are. So the first question: What is SageMaker? Why use it? Uh, similarly, what is uh, Apache Spark, and specifically Spark on EMR? What is that all about, and why use it? Uh, and then why use the two of them in combination? What is the synergy that's possible for these two? Uh, and then number four, I'll get into the nuts and bolts. We'll talk about how you, you accomplish the integration between the two of them. Um, we'll take a, a quick um, uh, walk through some code just to you know, make it concrete. I'll show you the, the results of uh, the integration. Uh, and then number five, as I said, uh, Lauren will do the, the Moody's um, experience uh, in doing this integration. And then hopefully we'll, we have some time at the end. We'll be able to take lots of questions from people. All right. Um, so what is Amazon SageMaker and why use it? Show of hands, how many people know what SageMaker is? All right, good, good. How many have used it hands-on? Okay, almost, almost the same number. Okay, great. Um, so... So that's good. So um, what, we're, what um, SageMaker is all about is uh, just, a, again, as a reminder for those that already know, it's a fully managed service for uh, traditional machine learning, sometimes called statistical machine learning, as well as deep learning. Okay. Um, and that fully managed uh, means that the, there's no servers to manage. SageMaker takes care of the infrastructure for you to do training and also to host uh, trained models. So um, it's designed for agility and speed. So uh, it's designed to allow data scientists and developers, machine learning uh, specialists, to very quickly and easily um, build or select algorithms, train a model, and then deploy those trained models into production, or it could be a sandbox as well, but be able to deploy and do all of that, that training and deployment uh, at whatever scale is necessary. Okay. Um, it's important to think of SageMaker as an orchestration platform. So there are a number of actions that SageMaker provides to support the whole machine learning lifecycle. Um, and um, you, can, you can carry out those actions either through the web console, and that's how most people will start out, um, or you can programmatically script that behavior, just like other AWS services. 
So you could, for example, have a continuous integration, continuous deployment pipeline that makes calls into the SageMaker service to make it do various things. So that, that uh, machine learning and the deployment of the model, that can be part of your, your uh, routine um, CI and CD. It has built-in um, algorithms, um, and we call these cloud scale, petabyte scale, 10x uh, in, in terms of performance, built-in algorithms where we've taken a lot of the popular algorithms that have been around, machine learning algorithms, and re-engineered them to work at cloud scale. And there's a whole different set of scalability, reliability, fault tolerance, uh, et cetera, that has to be designed into these algorithms. Uh, and so we've re-engineered them, done things like uh, supported streaming of data through the machine learning process, uh, because normally you would uh, do training by first copying the data to the machine learning hardware before you initiate training. Um, but with the streaming capability that we've Im implemented in a number of these algorithms, um, that data can, can come directly from, from uh, S3 and uh, stream through the, the machine learning process uh, so that as soon as the, the hardware is up and running, that data starts acting uh, in, in a training process. Um, we have, um, in terms of built-in algorithms, we've got over 14 of them now. Uh, yesterday, you probably heard the announcement that we have this ML, um, Amazon Machine Learning Marketplace, where others can um, make available their algorithms. We now have uh, 57, uh, uh, when I last counted, 57 available algorithms there. So you've got 14 that, that SageMaker has already, the 57 that you can get from the marketplace. Those are also available through SageMaker, even though they're in the marketplace. We have 140 sample notebooks built into SageMaker. So as soon as you open up the, the Jupyter Notebook, you can take any of those 140 examples and clone them, copy them, uh, and then try them out. They typically provide their own sample data, so you can you can uh, you don't you, you can start right away. You don't have to uh, find your own data, uh, and they illustrate our built-in algorithms. They, sh they illustrate other real-world use cases. We have something like breast cancer detection, uh, customer churn. Um, image analysis, those kinds of things. So um, those are available to, to learn how SageMaker works with data that we provide, but you can also take those and reuse those where you bring your own data and apply them. Okay? So lots of resources available there. Um, and of course, bring, you can bring your own algorithm, uh, and um, there's several ways you can do that. You can either bring your own script, uh, or you can bring a Docker container that contains your, your training algorithm. Um, one of the most important things, I think, about SageMaker is its ability to right-size the compute. So as you probably know, um, machine learning and, and um, inferencing, uh, particularly deep learning, require huge amounts of, of data and therefore huge amounts of compute to train the model and, and use the model. Um, that tremendous amount of compute could potentially be very expensive. So SageMaker right-sizes it um, and does it in, in three different ways. Um, it, you have available for the notebooks themselves, um, and you'll see in the demo what those look like. Um, the notebooks themselves, you have a, a wide variety of EC2 types and sizes. You also have access to GPU type instances, the P3s. Um, secondly, the um, training service that's part of SageMaker 
um, leverages transient compute. What that means is when you specify a training job, and that can be either re uh, remotely or within the notebook, and you hand that to the training service for SageMaker, um, SageMaker takes care of the rest of the infrastructure needed to do that training. So it will spin up one or more EC2 instances, depending on the scale that you need. Uh, it will run the, the machine learning, um, pulling the, the data that you've specified uh, you want to, to be used in the training, um, generate the model, store the model on S3, and then it automatically shuts down the, the, the EC2s, the infrastructure. What the implication of that is you're only paying for the actual compute required to do the training. Machine learning is, uh, the training part is very much a batch process. Uh, so you don't need compute running 24 by seven. You just need it for the duration of the training. Once you've got the model, you don't need it anymore. So you cease to pay ongoing compute costs uh, because of the transient compute. Uh, and then finally, the, mod the model hosting service where you've taken the trained model and uh, put it behind an endpoint. Uh, SageMaker do can do that automatically for you. Uh, it can use something called auto-scaling, and what that means is that um, it will dynamically adjust the infrastructure, the, the number of EC2 instances uh, up and down in response to the uh, volume and velocity of requests coming into that endpoint. And so you're only ever running the, the actual amount of compute you need. So if you get episodic swings in, in the demand for the inferencing, maybe you know, early in the day, say on a trading platform or um, you know, quarterly or whatever, you, you have certain surges in traffic, the infrastructure will automatically scale to, to accommodate that, uh, and then it'll shrink uh, automatically when, when the episode is over. So three different ways that you, you um, benefit from, from right-sizing. Okay, on to Apache Spark. How many people um, know what Spark is? All right, most of you, it looks like. How many have used Spark, hands on? Okay, a good, good number, probably most of those people. Um, how many have used EMR? Okay, not everybody, but a good, good portion. All right, um, how many have used Zeppelin? Because we're gonna have that in the demo. Okay, so I may have to explain uh, Zeppelin. All right, so, um, Spark on, on EMR, uh, let's cover that. So what is Spark? It's a unified analytics and, and massively parallel data processing engine that combines a, a variety of unique capabilities to give that massive uh, parallelization. Um, one of the ways it achieves that is distributing both data and computation across nodes in a cluster um, and, um, and then uses high-level data abstractions to represent distributed data sets. Um, the original one was the Resilient Distributed Data, um, RDDs, and now data frames with named columns. Uh, data sets is the newest one. But you have these high-level data abstractions that um, are, are uh, objects, classes, and they also have functional programming available so that these data abstractions know how to operate on, on the data that they represent. Uh, and so the fun functional programming allows you to um, chain together a bunch of processing steps on that distributed data set, and that's what uh, achieves the, the massive parallelization. All right, Amazon EMR. So uh, EMR is a managed service. Again, no servers for you to babysit. Um, and it's designed 
to run a variety of massively parallel uh, compute. Obviously, Spark is one of those, but there's the older Hadoop. There's Presto, which was developed by Facebook. There's uh, HBase uh, and Flink and, and uh, others. There's like 15 different applications that you can choose to have automatically uh, installed on, on EMR when you, when you launch a cluster. Um, it works seamlessly with petabyte scale data on S3. This gives you a really unique um, uh, feature that you don't see in other uh, massively parallel platforms in that it's decoupling the storage from the compute. So the data uh, can live on S3 and EMR can read and write directly with S3 without having to first copy the data over. You still have a choice if you want to use HDFS uh, and you know, use the local storage on the nodes, but um, the best use of EMR is if you take advantage of keeping your data on S3 and then having EMR clusters that can be transient as well. You can spin them up, do the, the compute that you need, the processing, write results back to S3, and then those clusters can go away. Again, you, you stop paying the moment they go away. So that's a very uh, unique um, feature of, of um, Amazon EMR. Uh, and ultimately, um, it, it supports uh, Zeppelin uh, notebooks. And uh, like SageMaker, like most other AWS services, the various actions that uh, EMR does, you can orchestrate those uh, in a script. Okay. Um, so you can have the entire spinning up, the, the um, batch processing by, by the cluster, and having it shut down, you can automate all that, that uh, process. Okay, just a quick cartoon for those uh, new to, to Spark. You can pull in data from a variety of sources, um, relational databases, uh, Hive, um, you know, C, uh, CSV files, uh, pull them in through Spark SQL, and then generate these columnar uh, organizations of the data, the data frames, distributed uh, data sets. Okay, so we come to the question, why use the two of these together, the Spark on, on EMR, together with Amazon SageMaker. All right. So the benefits are, well, first of all, the reality of machine learning is that if you want a highly reliable, robust model, accurate model, um, you need lots and lots of data. This is particularly true for deep learning, right? You need uh, potentially um, you know, millions of records to, to get a reliable deep learning uh, model. Um, that requires that your data be uh, large, it requires that it be cleaned, well-prepared, so that it's ready to be consumed uh, during training. Um, and so you use ETL uh, at, at large scale for that. Um, so you can do ETL, and those of you who have used the SageMaker uh, notebooks know that you oftentimes will write code that does some pulling of data, transforming of the data, removing null records, and, and things like that. Um, you can do that, but keep in mind that the hardware underlying the Jupyter Notebook uh, instance is just one EC2 instance, okay? So you choose an EC2 instance and spin up the notebook, and that, that's all you have available to do that ETL. So it's great um, to, to start out with. Um, if you're you know, early in a machine learning project where you're still trying to figure out what is your data, what shape does it take, uh, how dirty is it? What kind of transformations am I going to need to do to you know, pull out the, the, the features that I need? Um, if your code is still in flux uh, and you're still trying to work out the optimal hyperparameters, if all of that is still in flux, 
stay within the notebook and work out all of that. But once you've figured out the logic for working with your data uh, and you're ready to put, to put stuff into production, you can take that logic and move it upstream of, of um, SageMaker, move it uh, in, into a large-scale ETL that you, you're going to run on a routine basis. Okay? So you've got limited ETL in, in the notebooks, um, but that's primarily for development. To use large-scale ETL, one of the options is to use Amazon EMR with Spark. Spark is a great ETL uh, programming, programming uh, uh, architecture. Um, you can also use Glue, so keep that in mind as well. Glue has the advantage that it's a managed service. It's, it's uh, simpler to, to run than, than Spark. But Spark is much more flexible. It'll give you a lot more options. And you may already have a production pipeline in place using Spark. So um, what you're, you can now do is insert um, SageMaker calls. And you'll see this in the demo. Insert SageMaker calls into your, your Spark pipeline so that now you're doing the original uh, cleaning up um, and leveraging that existing uh, Spark pipeline and then making use of Sage, SageMaker for the, the machine learning. Um, and then, uh, so, so while Spark provides that large-scale ETL on demand, that's massively parallel. Amazon SageMaker provides uh, the um, machine learning version of the on-demand on and scalable resources. So the two of them uh, complement each other very nicely. Um, what makes all this possible is there's a, an, a library, a SageMaker Spark library that um, exists, and it exists on EMR, uh, and as well as within the, the um, notebook instances uh, within SageMaker. And that, that um, library supports um, co collaboration among the two in both directions. So Spark can make calls out to SageMaker. SageMaker can make calls uh, out to uh, a Spark cluster. Okay. All right, a little more about the, the SDK, the library. It's open source, it's on GitHub. Uh, it, two flavors, Scala and Python. Um, the communication between the two uh, platforms, between Spark and SageMaker, leverages some serializers and deserializers. Those are part of the library. Um, and it also supports the record IO protobuf, which is an emerging popular uh, format for feeding into a, a number of machine learning algorithms. Um, record IO is a per record um, uh, compression, and then um, uh, protobuf is a, is a uh, data set serialization um, that's binary and, and very efficient, space efficient. Um, out of the box, there are uh, classes to support the training as well as the inferencing, SageMaker estimator, SageMaker model. The, the built-in algorithms that I talked about, um, these are subclassed from, from the, the, um, the SageMaker estimator. Um, you can also use that SageMaker estimator to the last bullet point to um, implement your own algorithms, and so have algorithms that, that are immediately ready for, for SageMaker. Um, so there's a base class for all these algorithms as well as the custom algorithms you, you could bring. Um, and it uses the, the uh, containers, the Docker um, containers, images, um, that SageMaker uses to, to um, run those. All right, so now we get into the nuts and bolts. So here's some, um, let's see. Before we uh, do that, let me just talk about three 
scenarios in which you can use these two technologies together. So the first one is, um, by virtue of this library that's built into the notebooks, the, the SageMaker notebooks, you can have Spark running within that notebook. Um, so you can leverage data frames and, and RDDs, et cetera, um, within the notebook um, and pull data from S3 and do the training. So you, you have the, these uh, uh, data abstractions um, that, are, that are very convenient for working with data. Um, and so you can have um, Spark running within the notebook. The other um, situation is you can actually have the, um, you can have the notebook call out or act like a client, a, a Spark client. It can call out to an EMR cluster running Spark, uh, which of course can be pulling data and, and into data frames and, and so on. Um, and so you can, you can leverage much more scalable Spark capability um, by having a cluster and SageMaker that needs to do some kind of ETL and, and transformation of the data can leverage that, that existing EMR uh, cluster. And then finally, um, you can use uh, data and, and Spark and make calls into SageMaker where Spark is in control and driving everything. Um, and and uh, that's because, again, the library is on EMR when you, when you um, bring up a cluster. Uh, and so that's, that's available right away. This is what we're going we're gonna to demo. All right, so let me explain what, um, a little bit more, and then I'll, I'll explain the demo itself. So the way this can work is this orange box is an EMR cluster running Spark. Okay? And um, you can see we're at the top, we're pulling in training data as a data frame, as Spark will do. But then what it can do is leverage the SageMaker estimator for the k-means, actually a k-means SageMaker estimator. It's one of the, the classes in the library. Um, and it can take that and then feed it the data from the data frame and do the training on that k-means um, estimator. And the way it does that is by delegating the machine learning out to SageMaker. So during fit, the estimate, uh, on the uh, estimator, it calls out to SageMaker, initiates a training job, uh, gets the, the trained model, puts it behind an, uh, an endpoint, and then makes that endpoint available to the Spark uh, pipeline, uh, which can then call transform on, a data, on uh, another data frame um, and be able to get predictions from that. All right, here's a more complicated situation, and this is what we're gonna do in, in the demo. So here, we're taking two of the popular, um, in this case, un unsupervised algorithms from SageMaker. We're going to leverage those. And what we're going to do is create what, what is essentially a, a traditional Spark ML pipeline. Uh, and so the, the pipeline, is, as many of you probably know, gives you the ability to chain together a bunch of estimators uh, to, to, you know, and, and run data through that pipeline and get, get the results at the end. What it's going to do here is take these um, SageMaker estimators uh, and put those into a Spark ML pipeline and then run data through. So what happens is when you call fit, first it um, trains the PCA uh, algorithm. And so it goes through those steps, training job, model creation, endpoint, et cetera. Okay. Then it moves on to the k-means, the next step in the pipeline. Does the same sort of thing, train, uh, sends it a training job, gets the, the model, et cetera. And then finally, there's a, an endpoints 
um, that are provided by SageMaker, and then Spark can take advantage of those endpoints as part of the pipeline to be able to do transformations. Okay. So that's what we're gonna demo. So let me switch to a browser. That larger for people. Okay. Um, so I think there were a good number of people who hadn't seen, uh, didn't know how EMR worked. How many want to see me spin up an EMR cluster? One person? <laughs> Two people? Okay. All right. Let me let me just do a quick quick version of it. So um, so we'll go to the. I'm going to switch to. Uh, let's see. Go to the advanced ones. Oh, am I not, can I, why is this not rendered? Okay, here we go. Um, and so here, here are the 15 uh, applications I talked about. We don't need all of those. We're, we don't need Hadoop. We don't need Hive or Hue. We're going to go with Spark. We're going to pick Zeppelin. Uh, we don't need Pig, and uh, that, that's about it. Uh, and so we would, that's all we need on this page. We click Next. Um, and we're just going to go with the default number of instances. There are master core nodes, task nodes. We're just going to stick with those. Um, all right. And then uh, here we go. We, we can, uh, these are just general things. We could give it a name if we wanted to. All right. And then uh, we could pick it in case we wanted to connect to it. And um, oh, and then. In the case of a Spark cluster, an EMR cluster that has to be able to interact with SageMaker, we have to give it IAM permissions that, that allow that. And so, so EMR has um, the ability to, to assign roles. I'm going to switch to custom. Uh, right now it's showing the default, but I could go with the, if I can read this. Uh, oh, this one right here, Spark SageMaker role. So this is a, a custom role that I created. Right here, um, and in fact, I can just to show you one of the key things, one of the policies you have to attach to the role is the ability to talk to SageMaker, right? So um, the way security works within AWS, nothing can talk to anything else unless you enable the, the permissions for it. So here we're allowing EMR to talk to SageMaker. And uh, that's all we need. And so that, that's all you need to, to create a cluster. So the cluster is starting. All right, we're not gonna wait for that. We're gonna switch to a cluster that I've already uh, spun up. This one right here. Okay, and we're gonna connect to the Zeppelin notebook. In order to do that, you need to enable uh, a, an SSH tunnel, a secure tunnel between your, your laptop and the EMR cluster that's running in AWS. Uh, and the way you do that is you click on this, enable web connection. It's a little verbose, but it, all you really need to worry about is you grab this here, and then we're gonna switch to shell and paste that in. This won't return, it'll, um, because it's it's maintaining a, a, a secure tunnel. Now, if we switch back and close this dialog, close this dialog, and we do a refresh here. Okay, it refreshed already. 
Now you can see we've got a connection to go into Zeppelin. All right, so we jump into Zeppelin. Um, who has not um, used Zeppelin and wants to see? All right, let me quickly, how are we doing on time? I guess. Um, so so I'm, I'm in Zeppelin, and you, know, you can create a, a notebook. We'll just say demo, create notebook. And the default engine is Spark. So um, if you've used other notebooks like Jupyter, which you, you will use in, in SageMaker, um, a notebook is essentially just a, a, a bunch of cells or paragraphs is, is what Zeppelin calls them, where you can put a, a mixture of markdown as well as uh, code. Uh, and in this case, it, it's uh, Spark that we're, we're inserting. But you could put in, um, here's the title, and then you just hit return, um, uh, shift return, and then it, it does, does that markup where we could have, you know, um, Spark here. Data. I'm going to use Scala here. Uh, data equals Spark. Actually, I think I've got it ready to paste here. Oh, Just to show you that for those that haven't seen Zeppelin work. So here we're we're going to uh, use a, a, a data frame, and we just. Uh, execute that. There's a blue bar, it says it's running, uh, and eventually it'll have that data, and then we, we can just ask it to show us, um, we'll type here data, show, let's say the 20 rows of it, once it completes. Okay, yeah, so now we can do that. All right, so, there, so there's the data that pulled in. This is the MNIST data set. Most of you doing machine learning have probably played with that data set already. Um, I have um, a notebook I've already created, and in fact, I ran it because the, the training job can take a while. So what I'm going to do is um, explain the code at a high level, uh, and you'll see the, the results are here already in the notebook, um, and just help you understand that, you know, what steps we took to enable connecting to SageMaker. So we're, we're in Spark here. Obviously, there we're just pulling in libraries. Here we set some variables, like we're, in this case, I used a small fraction of the data just to speed things up. Some the regions, et cetera, the training data. Excuse me. Um, here we actually pull in the data, just like I just did on the, the sample notebook. It loads the data in. Here's the sampling of the data, 10, ten rows of that. Now, this is where things are more interesting. So here, we instantiate a uh, principal component analysis estimator. This is a SageMaker, a Spark SageMaker library class, um, the P PCA, here it is, PCA SageMaker estimator. So we instantiate that with a bunch, of, a bunch of parameters, things like what the hardware should be for the training, how many instances, uh, and, and you know, where the data lives, the training data, where the model should go on S3, when you're done, et cetera. So that's the PCA estimator. Uh, and then down here, we do the same sort of thing with a k-means SageMaker estimator. Same sort of thing. We specify hardware as well as, as, well as uh, paths for things. And then we do a typical uh, SageMaker, sorry, typical Spark um, ML pipeline. We instantiate a, a Spark ML pipeline 
where we're now setting the stages at the PCA estimator that we have and the K-means estimator. Even though they're, they're outside of the EMR cluster, uh, we, we uh, are specifying them here. And so the two of them together constitute the pipeline. Uh, and then, um, right, and then those are the results. And then we, we do the training uh, and the training is done. And then we, we can run some uh, predictions uh, through this. Uh, we're not focusing on the accuracy and, and stuff, but the, the key point is you can build uh, Spark ML pipelines in Spark on, on EMR, leveraging all these new um, and, and emerging algorithms that are available on SageMaker. But you can also take algorithms that you've developed and, and trained on SageMaker, um, you can make those available to your Spark uh, pipeline simply by instantiating the, these uh, estimators from the library. Okay. Sure. Yep. Yes, so it's, it's delegating the training task to SageMaker. And remember, SageMaker takes care of the, the infrastructure for you. So you've got the Spark infrastructure, which can be modest now because all it's doing is data transformation, right? Um, you don't need to beef up your Spark cluster just because you want to do machine learning. Um, so uh, Spark can make the calls out to SageMaker. SageMaker spins up the appropriate infrastructure, does the training, and, and shuts down that training infrastructure and, and makes the model, and, and eventually the endpoint when it's deployed, makes that available. Does that make sense? Right, yeah, so, so you don't need a, a beefy Spark cluster um, to, to um, if, if you're going to let SageMaker handle the machine learning. Yeah, you use it for the ETL, the large-scale ETL. Remember, the ETL within SageMaker is great for development, you know, early in a project, but once you know what you, you're, you need to do in ETL and you need to scale that, that's where you use Spark for that, right, Spark on EMR. Not sure I understood or heard the question properly. Well, so so that's in your code. I don't know if you noticed in, in the, the code that I showed, I was specifying the number of EC two instances. So, so that's, you know, that, that's something you need to decide. Um, there's a trade-off between you know, the, the per unit time cost of running lots of compute, uh, but for a shorter period of time versus you know, lower cost and fewer EC2 instances, but running for a longer time for training. Um, it turns out that they're, they're gonna be roughly the same. So you benefit by having more, more compute uh, because it gets turned off as soon as you have the model. It's whatever you want to put in your, your Spark. I'm sorry? Yeah, in this example, I didn't do anything fancy with the, the data. I didn't clean it up. I didn't transform it, 
pull out all certain features. Um, I was mostly showing just the integration, um, but obviously you could do whatever you normally do in Spark to, to transfer that data. Okay, so that's, that's um, the last of my part. I'm gonna turn it over to Lauren, and she's gonna tell you how Moody's is uh, taking advantage of this uh, integration capability. Great, thank you, Keith. Hi everyone, I'm Lauren Shukla. I'm a data architect at Moody's, focusing on machine learning and AWS. And I'm gonna walk you through our experience with machine learning and the integration of Spark with SageMaker. So hopefully you can walk away with some of the lessons learned we took along the way. So to begin, who are we? Moody's has two divisions, Moody's Investor Services and Moody's Analytics. Moody's Investor Services is a global leader in the credit ratings market. We monitor and track debt in over 130 nations for public, corporate, and financial institutions. Moody's Analytics sells uh, data, software, and analytic insights to over 10,000 customers globally. So our machine learning journey began last year when myself and a team of three, three of my teammates were tasked with answering a pretty simple question, which was, what value can machine learning provide Moody's Investor Services? And like Andy Jazzy said yesterday, talking about machine learning is great and everyone's doing it, but can we actually do something and build something to show the value to business leadership? So it quickly became apparent as we started on this journey that going with the existing on-premise infrastructure that we had available would not suffice and meet any sort of deadline or be uh, anything less than months or quarters. So we went with AWS, and in four weeks, we were able to build what we affectionately called our minimal lovable prototype. And what we mean by that is, this was by no stretch anything that was ready to go to production. But what it was was a viable end-to-end -end machine learning platform that with the single use case that we went after, we were able to prove the value of machine learning. And that use case, because our team likes to take on a challenge, we decided to challenge ourselves and say, okay, if we're gonna prove the value of machine learning to the business, can we, using only publicly available financial data, predict a rating? To be clear, this is not used in the ratings process. This was strictly to prove the value and for a research project. So four weeks later, we had the prototype. This is what we built. S3, we ingested the data. We had external sources to Moody's as well as data within the Moody's network into S3, where we stored it in the raw form, and I'll talk more about the raw versus processed. We had an ephemeral EMR cluster, uh, totally automated, responding to real-time data events as data was coming into S3, spin up that EMR cluster. We had Spark integrated with SageMaker, where we had our data engineers working on the data pipelines to do the transformations on the data, some pretty complex transformations, which again, I'll get to. We are then taking that process data and putting it back into S3 in its process store, where our data scientists could then pick up the data in SageMaker and do their machine learning development and experimentation. And because we actually had to prove value to the business and not just give data scientists a playground to play in, we actually embedded the predictions of the model in a business-facing web application. We went serverless because why not? So that's where we have the API gateway Lambda and S3. Conceptually, if we boil this up, this is really what we were doing. We were creating a data lake, but in addition to the data lake itself, we wanted to add a querying capability on top of that. How we use Athena is not only does it allow us to get a better understanding of what our raw data is, uh, anyone who comes from an old enterprise knows if you're pulling in data, first you gotta know what the data is. Most companies aren't really great at that. So this gave us the opportunity to have the SQL queries on top of uh, S3 for both the raw and the processed. 
We also used it as a validation check that the transformations we were doing in Spark were doing what we expected them to do, just as an additional layer of testing. Glacier for your archives and your cold storage, of course. And then, like I said, the application layer. Now, this component, because we were actually focused on building a platform and not necessarily a single use case or application, this becomes agnostic to the platform itself. So you can imagine if you were to take this platform to the business beyond just a single use case, this becomes however you want to implement your machine learning. Web application, maybe you want to keep it for internal experimentation and data science teams. Uh, this part we sort of saw as interchangeable as we deployed. And then the part why you're probably all here, the machine learning model development and deployment. Because we use a bring your own model, not one of the fully managed frameworks that SageMaker provided, which now there's a lot more after reInvent, we actually did the deployment of the model using ECS. And this is where our data scientists were working out of. They were going in directly to SageMaker. The data was right there for them in S3, fully integrated because everything's integrated nicely. Um, but we couldn't stop there and say, okay, business, look what we just did. We actually had to have a valuable metric to say the platform we just built actually provides value. So we sort of challenged ourselves to come up with that baseline. So we said, in this model, this model had 40 features. Um, of these 40 features, let's actually try to calculate and do these transformations we're talking about on premise and then compare that to what this can do in the platform. And again, we wanted to really make this a uh, true metric, so we went with the existing on-premise tools we had, which was a MySQL database. So we took the MySQL database, we added some plugins, and we really uh, made it a lot more complex than it needed to be, souped it up a bit, and with one calculation, it was a time series data point, uh, pretty important data point to the model, one calculation took us two hours to run if we weren't running anything else in the database. On the first pass when we initially implemented this, with the development of our data engineers going directly into SageMaker, doing the Spark transformation, building that uh, data pipeline, this single data feature that we were trying to calculate took eight minutes. We've since gotten it down to three. The first pass, it took eight. You can imagine, if we're talking 40 features, I now can go to my sponsorship and say, look, machine learning is valuable, and we're not talking about retraining a model every 48 hours, we're talking about retraining a model every hour. So we thought, we're, we're set, we're ready to go. And it quickly became apparent as we were going through this process that we weren't the only team trying to do this calculation. And I won't go into detail as to what the calculation was. Complex time series calculation that was critical to a lot of experimentation and data science teams within the organization. We found six other teams who were doing the same exact thing we did when we tried to baseline it. They were using existing on-premise tools that just weren't meant for this, trying to calculate it and spending their time doing that versus what they should be doing as data scientists, which is the model development and experimentation. So it became apparent that the value add here was really the platform, not the use case. The use case is irrelevant. Imagine if we can actually take this platform to the business, you have end-to-end machine learning, the value becomes that you have a raw store as needed, and we'll talk more about that, but you have the process store. You no longer have that dark data, and I know everyone has a different definition of dark data. You now have insight that you can get out of that data and make it available to your research and experimentation teams or your data science teams to do what matters, which is building the models. So we thought we were set and ready to go. Let's go to production, right? If you're here, I'm probably not the first person to tell you that the most important part of machine learning is data. And as we were trying to assess and figure out the workload for the team of four as to how we would move to production, we took the data and we classified it in terms of three very high-level categories, just in terms of workload. Data ingestion, and that's the ingestion into the platform. Data processing, which is the Spark transformations we were talking about. 
and the model-specific data processing. That's a feature engineering specific to the use case. And our assumption was ingesting the data would be sort of tricky. Data processing would be uh, you know, difficult and would take time, but it wouldn't take most of the time. But the model-specific feature engineering would actually be where we spent most of our time. We had one data scientist, and the other three of us were architects, engineers, developers. We changed hats as the, the project went on. In reality, it hit us pretty fast that there was no way one data scientist could actually do all of this data processing. If that's actually where the value is for the business, there is no way we were going to be able to meet any sort of objective to get to the speed that we needed. First lesson that I hope you walk away with this session, some of you may already know this and it may seem obvious, it wasn't to us. It's a big difference between a data scientist and a data engineer. Yes, the skill sets are similar, there is overlap, but they are not the same. They go hand in hand. When you're talking about scalability beyond a single application or a single use case, you need both. We quickly learned that we did not have the data engineering skill set necessary. But, SageMaker and Spark, we wanted to uh, make sure that with the team and the talent we did have, we can make it so they get started quickly. This is a theoretical question that came up yesterday in the session um, that you could argue with your team for days, I'm sure, which is, which language do you go with? Spark, Scala, Python. Uh, one tidbit and something to think about, especially anyone coming from an enterprise or thinking about scaling out your team, we found Python was just a much more readily available skill set in the market. So if you're looking to scale out your team, keep that in mind. So we had went ahead with Python for our data engineers. So some of the architectural principles that we followed in designing the platform. Separate compute from storage, pretty simple. It allows us to persist our data in S3, create that data lake, and we kill the EMR cluster when we're done. There's no need for us to be running it all the time, save the money, kill it off when you're done. Separate your RON process, and this, as simple as it sounds, become a critical component to being able to do this. We'll talk more about it, but anyone who comes from financial services or any highly regulated industry probably knows the headache that a governance or a compliant or an audit team can come at. And a lot of times you're designing your data to meet the requirements of those teams. We found that by providing a raw bucket, and we'll talk more about the buckets, but to provide the raw data itself, and then to have the process data separate with SageMaker in between, with that Jupyter notebook, what you have is this capability that is really underestimated, and that's the markdown. We were actually able to take those individual notebooks in SageMaker and our data engineers were adding the markdown as they go, exactly outlining the transformations they were making to the data in Spark, and we were able to use that as a living, breathing document to pass off to governance to answer the question, what are you doing to the data? Keep storage design simple, and this is separate from the raw and process data. This is really prefix design. Uh, when you're talking about a single use case, it, you can get away with uh, sort of hacking your way through S3 prefix design, but if you start to think about scalability, when you start to integrate Jenkins, for example, which is what we use uh, for our source code, or our code uh, deployments, when you start to use CICD and automation, you quickly get to a point where you need to think about how you're gonna design your prefixes, as well as performance. Give an example, um, date, sounds pretty simple, day, month, year, uh, it's a good way to start. We are in very much, we were very much in batch processing or batch data loads, so that made a lot of sense for us. It leads to my fourth point, which is automate almost everything. Uh, my team loves Lambda. We use Lambda like a crutch. We put it anywhere we can. Not always the best thing. That's why I have almost in there in parentheses. 
It's always evolving. We're not great at it all the time. Uh, we are always evolving trying to get better at it to actually use the architecturally optimized tools for the job. But CICD also becomes critical. You think about it, you're going to have your data scientists working in SageMaker, and your data engineers working in SageMaker, and you're gonna have EMR doing the movement of the data in S3 from raw to process. A lot is going on in there. You may also have a situation like we do, which is humans need to be able to read the data as well. They need to easily be able to get into S3, our data scientists, know exactly what data set they're looking for to go experiment with. You don't wanna be in a situation where you have humans in there too much playing around in your process data that then can hurt the integrity. So the separate ROM process, it's really simple. Um, conceptually, it's really two things. Uh, an implementation for us, when we say one raw bucket, we actually have two. We have one that external data sources access as well as one that our internal inside the network data accesses. You drop your data, and then you have processed. The process allows you to actually have those machine learning data marts at the other end. So what that means is, again, we're talking about a machine learning platform. In an organization where we have multiple data science competencies, experimentation, analytics teams, you have one single source of your process data, but you can also have those machine learning data marts off of that data. What that allows is each one of those data marts can take that core, that pink bar we saw before, where the majority of your work should be spent on the data, we are data scientists are really focusing on that last mile. They have their data mart, they're doing the development and the feature engineering specific to their model without having to actually worry about the brunt work of engineering that's sort of necessary for an organization. And then of course the integration with Spark and SageMaker, the thing that made it so powerful for us in this you know, journey and realization that we need a data engineer, um, was that they could seamlessly get started. It was never a question of speed. Just like it took us four weeks to build the lovable prototype, within a day or two we were able to get our data, engineer, data engineers in there working on the data, actually getting progress and getting the data into a processed form where we could then have the data scientists. You can imagine the time to market, right, when you're trying to get machine learning and actually do something with it versus just talk about it. The other thing that this very simple concept of separating your raw process allows you to do is design for growth. So where are we today and what am I working on right now? Uh, streaming. So we're in the terabyte size. We think in a year we could get to petabyte uh, in this particular uh, few use cases we're looking at. What separating your raw process allows you to do is incorporate streaming for the ingestion. So what we do is we have Kinesis streams sending the data to EMR. We have the Spark processing going on just as we did. And that data is going to the S3 bucket for process just as it was. What we can also add is Kinesis Firehose. Then Firehose is taking that original source of the data, putting it into the raw so we continue to have that separation of raw and processed. In batch, this wasn't really necessary, right? We were getting data loads hourly, whatever it may have been, but we quickly outgrew that. And as we start to identify those additional data sources that we really think will provide value to the organization, adding streaming from an ingestion component, from an ingestion side of the house, made it so we could quickly, we could quickly scale up and do so without actually re-architecting anything. So what are some of the lessons learned? I hope you walk away so you don't have to go through the same headaches we did. Uh, data scientists and data engineers are not the same. There's a lot of talk in the market right now about you know, data scientists, and we found that a lot of them do have the skill sets necessary, but if you actually wanna do something that's beyond a single application or a few applications and federated across the organization, you should really have dedicated data engineers. Yes, the skills overlap. They have the same expectations. They both want to be able to play and experiment with the data. That's why SageMaker was so powerful. You had the, the data scientists able to work in it, as well as the data engineers. 
Design for data simplicity. This means separate the raw and the process, but also your prefix design. Think to the future. Think how you're going to do CI/CD. Think how you're going to have automation and monitoring and other services on the platform. I'm going to guess if you're developing anything with machine learning, it's not going to stay in a data scientist siloed team. It'll eventually be something that becomes customer or business user facing. Uh, that becomes key to be able to design for growth. And then lastly, proper CI/CD is critical for scalability. Like I said, you can maybe get away with not doing this if you've got a small, uh, small application, small use case. We quickly found, though, especially when we started to get into Spark, that EMR is in there. A lot of things are happening on. Jenkins is in there. We needed that fully thought out ahead of time um, in order for us to get to a point where we now add streaming and add additional data to the platform. We can still continue to grow uh, and provide the value necessary. So thanks for listening to Moody's journey. With that, I will hand it back to Keith. Thanks, Lauren. All right, yeah, we can just park that there. So we're on to Q&A. Um, so we've got, um, I don't know, about um, oh, 10 minutes or so here. So if, yeah, any questions? Go ahead. We, we, we don't have microphones here? No? A runner. Who's going to run? Sure, yeah, I mean, uh, SageMaker supports both both real-time, you know, one-at-a-time kind of uh, predictions, but also it has something called batch transform. Um, so you have data sitting in S3 that you want predictions for. Um, maybe it's a daily, you want to run a bunch of daily uh, predictions. So you simply create a batch transform job within SageMaker pointing to, to that uh, S3 bucket and, and location, and then it will take those. It, it won't be real time, um, but it'll work through that batch and, and produce the results, and then write the results to S3 for you. Yep, go ahead. We had the in skill, uh, we had the in-house skills, but part of that was because we stuck with Python. Had we gone with Scala, for example, that's when we realized there was no way. And there was, um, we do have a great internal data science competency, I would say. We had the skills in-house, um, so it ended up working out fine. But again, that theoretical debate of Scala, Java, Python, we went with Python for that reason. Uh, so we're up to, uh, two scientists, we have one engineer still, well, 1.5, um, one sort of part-time. Um, and then we have three engineers who are sort of skilling up right now. I think we have a question over there. Yeah, it has to be a SageMaker estimator. Um, and so the, the 14 uh, built-in algorithms that we have are, are implemented as SageMaker estimators. Um, your own code can be implemented as a SageMaker estimator as well. 
Uh, so anything that can be implemented as a SageMaker estimator uh, can, can uh, be called to, called to from Spark. Um, I, you should be able to, imp, let's see, so the, that's a good question. The, the, the question is whether the PyTorch container that SageMaker provides, is there a, an estimator uh, implementation of that? Um, I don't have the answer for that right, right now, but that, I'm sure there must be an answer online about that. So, so a custom estimator, um, you can either take an existing uh, container um, and use your, provide your script. You know, you um, uh, indicate the entry point and then the path to your script, and, and that's how you, you um, have your own custom script. You can also take anything, and we, we have some customers that uh, have models in R. You can take anything that you can dockerize and create an image, put that up into ECR, Amazon ECR, the, the Elastic Container Repository, uh, and, then, and then SageMaker can call that. Large volumes of processed data in S3. Yeah, again, in your prefix design, right? It's really not an issue. S3 and SageMaker integrate natively. Um, your prefix design, so if you're actually talking at the object level, you gotta be careful what object level you're talking about. Um, don't make your objects, sort of, uh, your object groups too large, then you will have problems, but we haven't seen at any scale any issues with the integration. Yeah, there, there's... Yep. So SageMaker will work, will train using petabyte scale data. So SageMaker is not the bottleneck. Yeah, and it's not, um, it's different, right? So in this case, we have data scientists who are then accessing the data. We want the data in the process store. We're not throwing it away, it's more so just sort of using it later, if that makes sense. I, I wanted to add uh, some, some best practice around S3 prefixes. So uh, you, one way to think about EMR and S3, EMR is massively parallel compute, massively parallel processing. S3 you should think of as massively parallel storage, okay? And um, there's no, you know, there's no aggregate um, cap on the bandwidth uh, for, for, you know, putting data into S3. As many processes and threads as you can have talking to S3, S3 will accommodate that. But what you do need to worry about are potential hotspots um, with, through poor prefix design. So if you have too many objects sharing the same prefix, you run the risk of hotspots. The way you mitigate that is to uh, maximize what we call entropy. In other words, the randomness of the prefixes. So if you've got a large number of objects that you want to store in S3 and you want to process on them, um, don't put them all under one prefix, but uh, generate unique prefixes in front of them. Um, you mentioned the date. One, one extra thing you can do with dates to improve things is to invert them so that you have, you know, day equals something, month equals something, year equals. Have it in that order rather than year, month, day. 
Um, because the earlier, the further left in the prefix that you see uniqueness among the objects and their prefixes, the, the higher the, math, the uh, parallelization in, in the I.O. So, so that's a, you know, and it, another thing is to, you could generate a hash uh, for, for the object. So you've got, you're spreading the data objects out across multiple uh, unique hashes. So that entropy, that uniqueness in the prefix is key to maximizing the parallel I.O. Right here. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there, there's, there's arguments to be made all around. I mean, number one, uh, an enterprise should, as you pointed out, should leverage the skills that they can get, right? So if you have a team of, of data scientists that are using R, then, then that's maybe the, the best path forward. Um, SageMaker doesn't care what, what the language is. Um, you know, you could write it in Lisp, I suppose, as long as you can Dockerize it. And, and you expose um, the, the typical calls, you know, the, the model, model um, and train calls, the things that, that uh, are typically required for, for um, uh, training. SageMaker has to be able to call into the Docker container. Um, we, we actually have a, an example uh, notebook within SageMaker that walks through an example of taking our code and Dockerizing it and, and having uh, SageMaker be able to use it. So I think, um, I, you know, I think the, the biggest, um, well, compute is obviously important, um, but I.O. is also important. So, you know, I think it, uh, it comes down to what skills does your team have uh, and, um, you know, and you're going to compensate for the, the uh, processing by having lots of parallelization, right? Lots of, lots of uh, EC2 instances running, you know, Docker containers that, that, that spread the, the training, right? And I can add to that. So um, we actually have a few data science teams who are MATLAB and R users. Um, I don't know if you're a data scientist. Don't take this personally if you are. Um, getting data scientists to think differently and getting them comfortable, we actually found that there was a few teams who were a little more difficult getting them into SageMaker because of that. So I don't know if, you, if that applies to you. But from an um, adoption perspective, we had that challenge. Yeah. What sort of, uh, what kind of model you guys have? I can't talk about it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> can, you, can you speak up a little bit? Will it be a bottleneck? Because, I mean, obviously, Mater, the customers Mater could not uh, support the distributed, right? Oh, yeah, sure. SageMaker takes care of distributing them across the. Right, yeah, some algorithms don't, don't um, uh, distribute as, as well as others. Okay, did, did, did you give it enough EC2 instances in the training job? Yeah, I think so. Okay, because that's going to control you, the, the, uh, you know, the parallelism. Yeah, XGBoost, if I remember correctly, does, doesn't uh, distribute as well. Yeah, it tends to be a single machine, I think, if I remember correctly. Okay, um, we're, we're out of time, I think. Um, we can take some more questions out in the hall if, if people are, are keen to do that. But thank you. Oh, and, and uh, by, by all means, um, 
please uh, provide some ratings. We, we like to get feedback on how things uh, went and identify areas for improvement. Cool, thanks. <laughs>